Our Old Testament text tonight is from the book of Jeremiah, the first chapter, verses 4 through 10. Follow along with me. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We might not always think about these two texts together, the one from Luke's gospel that Connie just read and this one, which is in the voice of the prophet Jeremiah. We might not think of them together, but they're both in the lectionary for today, and they're both stories about doing God's work, about being sent, about being called. I feel, on a personal level, like it's a little providential that these stories are on the lectionary text today. I had to speak publicly a little bit about my call this morning. But these are not just stories that talk about calling for pastors or church workers. They're moments in scripture that tell us important things about what it means for anyone to be sent by God. The background to this text in Jeremiah is not in the lectionary text as it was cut for today. But it is kind of important, so I'm going to take you through some of it. Jeremiah is called by God to be a prophet when he, Jeremiah, is still a boy. And it happens at a time of crisis for Judah and the Judean monarchy. Just a couple of verses before the text picks up for today's lectionary, the book of Jeremiah tells us that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in the 13th year of the reign of King Josiah. Now, Unless anyone is real up on King Josiah, I sure wasn't. I had to go back and see what this means. King Josiah ruled Judah, and it was his life's ambition to reestablish the kingdom of David and Solomon. Josiah had been told by another prophet that for his good works, he would live out his days in peace. But that prophecy did not come true. King Josiah was killed in battle with the Egyptians at Megiddo. Later kings of Judah, two of them, Jehoiakim and Zedekiah, were defeated by the Babylonians. They blew it. They lost the kingdom. As a result, their people were in exile, and Jerusalem was destroyed. So that's the backdrop for Jeremiah's call as a prophet, for his life and his prophecy. And that is a pretty big mess, isn't it? Jeremiah is called to prophesy in the midst of exiles, with a destroyed capital. The Lord's words to Jeremiah are that he has been appointed over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build 
and to plant. That's all. Just a few things. It's almost too much to comprehend. It's too much for us to think that God could be asking one person, and at that, a little boy, to face these obstacles. Maybe that resonates with us, because sometimes it feels that the thing God might be asking us to do is something we can't do. That's Jeremiah's response to God's call, and it echoes other call stories through our scriptures, particularly the call of Moses. These call stories start with an announcement. Sometimes the scholars call it a confrontation, but announcement seems like a more positive word. It's an announcement from God when God approaches the person being sent and tells them that they're being called, tells them that they're being sent, tells them that God has chosen them for some particular job. Then there's usually a kind of introduction. God recounts something of the history God has with that person. Here in Jeremiah, God hearkens all the way back to the time before Jeremiah was born and says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God and Jeremiah go way, way back, and God has been there all along. This is a reminder of God's intimate relationship with Jeremiah. God knew Jeremiah before he was even in the world. But then there's an objection. In most of the call stories, and in Jeremiah as well, Moses objected to being sent by God, and Jeremiah speaks up and says, oh, Ah, literally, the text says, ah, God, ah, God, Mm, excuse me, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a boy. I think this is a moment we can all understand, whether we're thinking of Jeremiah as a little boy or thinking about how his situation reminds us of us, people who sometimes feel ill-equipped or inadequate or afraid that we might not be able to fulfill God's call if we step out to try. But the next step in these call narratives is reassurance. God's reassurance. God says to Jeremiah, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. To deliver you, says the Lord. Jeremiah is unsure. God provides certainty. Jeremiah's doubt is well-founded. He's being asked to do something big and hard, but he's not being asked to do it alone, because then God gives him a sign. Here, he touches Jeremiah's mouth and gives Jeremiah the words, the tools, to go out to prophesy, to fulfill the commission. In the last verse, we hear that the commission is to do these things that sound enormous, to pluck up, to pull down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build up. God has touched Jeremiah and put God's own words into Jeremiah's mouth. This call story repeats a pattern we see over and over again in Scripture. God comes, the one being sent doubts, God reassures, 
God gives a sign, and God sends. Maybe it's a pattern we've experienced ourselves. And if not, I would think it probably still hits home with us. Because sometimes the call of God is in the face of something that seems insurmountable. It certainly seemed so for Jeremiah. And friends, that isn't because Jeremiah was weak or cowardly or lacked faith. The call (laughs) seemed insurmountable because it was. Over and over again, God asks God's people to do things that would be too hard for them alone. The necessary ingredient to being able to respond to God's call is God. We need God's help in order to answer. We need to rely on God to do God's work. We need to have God's words in our mouths, and we need to rest in that assurance that God knew us before we were formed and chooses to send even us. It is that faith that makes plain old people, Moses, Jeremiah, us, into God's servants, into God's prophets, God's leaders, God's people. Now that may seem like good news and bad news. Maybe it's a comfort and a relief that God doesn't ask us to go it alone. God is in there with us every time we're sent. But it may still make us anxious or even fearful to think that we might be sent. It may be even harder to think about responding to God's call if we only think about Moses or Jeremiah and these sort of big jobs, like leading God's people out of exile and rebuilding kingdoms. Those don't have easy parallels for us today. Unless, has anyone led a people out of exile lately? Not me. But call is not just about exiles and kingdoms. And it isn't just about church work or preaching or going to seminary. Our callings from God are to act in big and small ways, relying all the time on God. We can respond to call with our vocations, with our avocations, with our interactions, even the most mundane ones, day-to-day, big and small, as well as with our big plans. We're called to do all kinds of things. I was reading some commentary on this Jeremiah text this week, and I was absolutely shocked to see that the illustration this scholar used was about a person I actually met and heard when I was in seminary. Alan has met her, too. And he's, and Will has to, Chris Vicato has met her too, because we all at different times participated in a program through Columbia Seminary that sent us deep into the heart of coal mining Kentucky. Uh, This woman's name is Eula Hall. Eula Hall describes herself as a hillbilly activist with pride, I might add. She only has an eighth grade education, but she felt called by God to provide resources to a community that had none, to serve a need in that rural Appalachian place. The people around Eula Hall had no access to health care. So Eula Hall started a clinic. It's called the Mud Creek Clinic. I've been there. Alan and Chris have been there. And it isn't 
Grady or Northside. It is not a massive place, but it is serving a need for people who would otherwise have no health care. If you think about one person making something out of nothing, establishing a clinic where people have no money, no resources, no education to speak of, it is a remarkable testament to what can come of answering God's call. But Eula Hall herself is totally humble about it. She doesn't make it sound grand or important. In fact, she says, I looked and I said to myself, it ain't right like this. No medical service here, it ain't right. Somebody needs to act. I guess that somebody was me. Plain and simple. Now I think about Eula Hall and marvel at what she's done and what she's built in answer to God's call. And maybe some of our callings are lifelong, big picture kind of things. But there are no small responses to God's calling. We can do it every day. Our son's school, Glenwood Elementary, has a weekly gathering of students and teachers and parents on Friday mornings from 8 to 8.20. It's called Community Circle. And during the week, students and teachers can send in little reports about the people around them who have shown kindness or done something special, and they're called spotlights, and they're read out to the gathered community every Friday morning. It's just a school for kindergartners through third graders. So these are pretty young kids. And every week, as I listen to the spotlights, I'm struck by the simplicity of the call to take care of each other. Every single week, there's a report that one student has submitted about another student. Three of the ones from the last three weeks hit me as beautiful in their simplicity. One student spotlighted another for showing compassion and caring. I guess they maybe had to get help with spelling, compassion and caring, because he fell off the monkey bars, and he was embarrassed, and he was crying, and his friend gave him a hug. Another student gave his birthday pencil. Everyone gets a pencil on their birthday. Birthday pencil to his table mate who had no pencil. Another friend gave up his extra recess time to be a reading buddy with a younger student who was having trouble. These are not plucking up and pulling down of God's call of Jeremiah, but they're acts that took even these little elementary school children outside what was easiest for them. Responding to God's call is like that. It means getting outside ourselves overcoming our fears that we will not have the right words with trust that God will give them to us. But of course, responding to God's call is not always easy. And what's more, it will not always make us popular or win us respect or accolades. We heard in tonight's text from Luke that even Jesus was run out of town disrespected, rejected for his prophecies, his preaching, and his teaching. The last verse of that text, just to hone in on this, says, They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. Jesus. They were going to kill Jesus. 
for prophesying and teaching and preaching. So maybe it's no surprise that Moses and Jeremiah were so hesitant to respond. Doing God's work may not only be hard in the doing, but it may make other people uncomfortable or angry or worse. Just two weeks ago, I guess, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And I hadn't realized until I got here tonight that these photographs were already up. But if you haven't already looked at them, take a minute after worship. There's, this is an incredible collection of photographs, mostly from the civil rights movement, including some powerful moments of Dr. King. On the day we were celebrating the Urban Ministry Conference in worship, on Martin Luther King weekend, I had the children's moment, which is the time in our early 9 o'clock service when we invite children to come forward and we have a moment. We share something about the scripture or the message for that day with them. And I opened with what I thought was going to be a pretty benign question. I probably should know better at this point. And I just said, what do you all know about Martin Luther King? And frankly, the answers of our preschoolers amazed me. They said, he wanted all people to be treated equally. A couple of them knew the word civil rights from studying Martin Luther King in school. But they also said, people burned his house down. People sprayed him with water. And dogs barked at him. In the car on our way home, from church that day, our five-year-old, who had also studied Martin Luther King in school, asked the question that runs under all those comments during the children's moment. He said, if Martin Luther King wanted everyone to be treated equally, why would anyone want to kill him? Responding to God's call is not always clear, it is not always easy, and it might just make us enemies. So what should we do? Will we, like Jeremiah, like Jesus, like Eula Hall, like the children at Glenwood Elementary School, like Martin Luther King, listen for God? Knowing that we sometimes will not have the words we need, will we open ourselves to receiving them from God? Will we turn our self-doubt, which can sometimes paralyze us, over to God? Will we step out? Will we ask ourselves in honest ways, even when they're hard, what we can do in service to God's children and God's church? And when, not if, but when, responding to the call of God asks something hard or pits us against our own culture or means that we have to make a sacrifice, will we do it anyway? Because as Eula Hall said in her broken English, somebody needs to act, and maybe, just maybe, God is calling each of us to be that somebody. Amen.